And now, it's Health Naturally with herbalist and natural therapist, Dennis Stewart. Good afternoon. This is exactly how we kick off our Friday afternoons with the relaxed, comforting, calming presence of Dennis Stewart. G'day, mate. How are you doing? How are you, Mark? I'm pretty good. So you're not going to want Jane back, are you? Oh, we have some good times here, but I, I think there's a bit of competition. <laughs> Look, uh, when we get the show going in a minute, you'll be talking yeah. about uh, some of the, what some can, may even consider the old-fashioned remedies yes. versus uh, the newer scientific techniques. Yes. I want to take this topic up because I think we're in danger in all areas of medicine of placing too much emphasis on that which is modern and that which is uh, of the time and forgetting about a lot of the great medical ideas, medicines and remedies of the past. My view is the past still has a lot to teach us. The past still has a lot of ways of addressing uh, human diseases And my fear is that as time goes on, we may lose sight of a lot of those remedies that still work and stood the test of time. Dennis, we have uh, Judith from Newcastle East on the phone. Uh, Good afternoon, Judith. Good afternoon. Hello, Judith. How is is everyone today? We're very well. That's good. Uh, My grandson has Uh just been diagnosed with uh, alopecia errata, which yes, is yes. Um, a, a clump of hair, Correct. is missing. Uh, it's been measured by a doctor at three centimetres by one centimetre, okay. probably right in the middle of the top yes. of his scalp. So initially, my daughter thought he might have been sunburnt or mm-hmm. something. She couldn't qu- couldn't quite work it out. Okay. Um, the doctor has given him some steroid cream. Yes. And when I did my Googling, because I've never, I don't know of anyone who's had it, and uh, we're talking an autoimmune Correct. uh, It's more common than you think. It's more common than you think, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Then I'm thinking, well, we need to be treating the cause instead of the symptoms. Yes, look, that is, uh, that's a very, very sound and idealistic way of addressing the problem. Um... The, the basic um, counter-argument would be that in many of these conditions it's not always that easy to diagnose or recognise or fathom out the cause of conditions, particularly a condition like this. In, in, uh, I do a lot of work in, in helping adult people who are battling with this who are losing their hair rather than having alopecia, although I have treated occasionally uh, alopecia. Um, And there, uh, I tend to use, how can you call it, a more supplement approach, acknowledging that in their case, uh, which is not this particular form of alopecia, but nevertheless uh, a gradual, progressive and sometimes an alarming loss of their hair, I address the problem from looking at it to see if there is anything in our literature that encourages us to believe that with certain supplements you may be able to address an underlying factor. Now, I know this is very, very controversial and it may not uh, necessarily apply to your um, grandson. However, um, I would certainly uh, suggest that you consider it and discuss it. Presumably, he's seeing a dermatologist. He hasn't at this stage. It's just a GP. Okay. Well, what I I would suggest you do, uh, you probably have time before... You, you had the appointment with the dermatologist to have the steroid preparations. And let me just be fair, with reference to the steroid preparations, there there's some encouraging results uh, 
um, from that, even though I relate to your concern that uh, the underlying condition may not be met. Sometimes with a condition like this, if you get in and with, uh, with a treatment like this, uh, there is some encouraging indications that has a significant pacifying and psychological effect on the person, which can, in my opinion, perhaps slow the condition down. But my approach, uh, particularly with adults with alopecia and particularly uh, with women, uh, and particularly women who are postmenopausal, my approach is to address it with a bracket of minerals, and the minerals that I use are selected from what are called Blackmore celloids, C-E-L-L-O-I-D-S. That's a mineral therapy system, unique to that great Australian company. I also uh, use an amino acid, which some trichologists use. Now, an amino acid is a precursor to protein. So, really, you're looking at a protein uh, substance, and it's called tyrosine, T-Y-R-O-S-I-N-E. And for the last 10 to 15 years, uh, subsequent to my uh, studying and lecturing, um in a number of places on Ayurvedic medicine, I have a third member of the team that I sometimes draw on, which is a South Asian or Indian remedy, uh, which is known as Bringraj. Now, I'm not going to attempt to spell that. That's a a Sanskrit term. But the botanical name uh, for the remedy that is very popular in India, the botanical name is Eclipta alba, E-C-L-I-P-T-A, Eclipta alba, and is readily uh, available in Australia from, say, Ayurvedic pharmacies or Ayurvedic suppliers. It's popularly used also as an ingredient in in Indian or Ayurvedic uh, shampoos or lotions. Uh, And that's basically what that I have worked around, uh, particularly the emphasis on mineral supplementation and using tyrosine. Now, what I would suggest you do before you take any of that on board, uh, have a talk uh, with your GP. Um, I'm sure there'll be no objection to it, but in as much that your GP has already referred you to a dermatologist, I think it's courteous and ethical uh, to express your concern and view to your GP about wanting to look for something a little bit um, uh, deeper and mentioning to him the sorts of things that I have said. And then if there is an interest in pursuing it, well, then I'd be very happy to help you personally. Thank you very much, Judith. And Frank, you've got a burning sensation in your feet uh, with no uh, luck at fixing. Since you're from Melbourne, Frank, are you uh, visiting from Melbourne or you got us on the app, you're listing at home? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm I speaking to the doctor, Dennis. Are you? You are speaking with Dennis. He's on the. He's, he's sitting over there right now. Hello, Frank. Hello, Dennis. Uh, thanks for taking it's your time. And I, I live in uh, the most livable yep. city in the world. I believe know. it is. Most of my most of my lecturing, when I say most of it, a large percentage of my lecturing has been uh, in Melbourne, and I consider it uh, the best city in Australia, and it's certainly, in my opinion the best city to lecture in. So you're very welcome to talk to me. Thank you very much, Look, I really like that. Your approach is fantastic. Good. 10 out of 10 for that. Good. Uh, Dennis, I, uh, can I call you Dennis? Of course you can. I'll, I'll call you. Look, I, I can't, I'm Italian. Yes. I come here in 1960. Yeah, good on you. I, I, had a, uh, I had a good healthy life and I've yes. been a salesman for 35 years yes. and standing on, my, on the floor for most of the time yes. selling people washing machine and fridges and so on and so forth. Yes. So... <clears throat> I've retired now in 2003, and uh, about a few 
five or six years ago, I started developing this uh, this burning sensation under my soles, yes. and then it's going up towards the angles, yes. and I get tired towards yeah. angles and feet. But the burning sensation, I'll have to put a, a, my feet in the cold water with yes. ice, then yes. I take them out. Yes. At night time when it's cool, I put on a bottle of hot water. Yes. And uh, that's the only relief I can get. And okay. what I'm talking to you, mm-hmm. I probably don't feel as much because you don't, don't think about it. Yes, yes. So I've um, been mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. different doctors. My yes. GP is a fantastic doctor here, yes, but of he said, try NDAP. Yes, NDAP yes. for a couple of months yes. and get me put weight. Yes. No result. Okay. Frank, what, what I will, will do quickly is ask you a couple of questions. Sure. Uh, are you diabetic? No, I'm not. Definitely not? No, absolutely not. Okay. Uh, has your doctor diagnosed it as a neuropathy? A new? A neuropathy, a nerve-based condition? No. Okay. I, uh, 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 with, with reference to your circulation... Have you um, problems with the blood vessels that supply your feet? And I'm talking simply, but um, is there the possibility that your circulation is not as good as it should be due to the work that you have done for so many years? Right. Okay. okay. An answer to your question. Yes. I've seen a couple of new, yes. uh, uh, neurologists. Yes. Yes. I checked my 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 uh, uh, the, the circulation. Yes. I did them my varicose veins. Yes. Just in case. Yes. And everything is is working okay. Even the beat on the bottom of the feet is there. You've had you've had varicose vein surgery, have you? Yes, I did. Okay. Look, from what you've said, um, and without wanting in any way at all uh, to be seen as a diagnostician for this, you're under very good medical care. What I would what I would nevertheless suggest is a couple of things that are not expensive, that are easily procured, and have somewhat of a relationship to these mysterious conditions of the periphery. Um, Before I mention it, I should also ask, are you on any prescription medication? Okay, I've got a list of medications. What what I would say before you say that, uh, it would be worth your while uh, seeing your pharmacist and getting him to review medications you're taking. I'm not in any way at all casting aspersions on anything that you've been prescribed, but having been in my system of medicine for over 40 years, I am aware that frequently mysterious symptoms can be associated with an unusual or idiopathic reaction to a drug that we might be on. First thing, get your GP, your pharmacist, uh, to look at what you're taking to see if there is any neurological or circulatory deficits associated with the medication you may be taking. Principle number one. Secondly, I suggest, because it's easy, accessible uh, and and popularly used, try a combination of magnesium and calcium. And And thirdly, never underestimate, regardless of the investigation you have had, never underestimate two remedies that are quite remarkable for their circulatory, particularly their circulatory benefits to the peripheries. And one of those is a well-known remedy made famous in modern times by German pharmacy called ginkgo biloba. Now, you'll have to use the ginkgo, which you can procure from a good pharmacist, uh, use it in the correct dosage, and your pharmacist will probably tell you, as I will tell you, that if you're going to try the ginkgo, you'll need to persevere with it 
for quite some time. But it has, it has a reputation for the peripheries. Very quickly, the second remedy that might be worthwhile is, worth, is less well-known, less well-known, although I've used it uh, f- from my early days, and it's an American remedy called prickly ash. There. Right? Those two herbs, in my opinion, uh, worked with also with some calcium and magnesium to what's, get... What's the name of it? Uh, prickly ash is the name of the American herb. Prickly ash. P-R-I? P-R-I-C-K-L-Y. Prickly ash. ash. Yes. Now, like ashes, like yeah. ash, now, uh, yeah. All right. There are plenty of uh, excellent pharmacists in Melbourne, quite a few of whom I have, uh, have, have taught. I can't mention names on radio, but if you were to look in your directory, you will find some well-known pharmacists down there, well-known pharmacists that are also very, very good practitioners of modern herbal medicine and would relate to what I'm saying. Look, it's, it, in my opinion, it, it can't hurt you. It's not expensive. It's not likely to clash with what you're, you're presently doing or taking. If I were in your situation, I'd give it a go. Thank you very much, Frank and Judith as well. Uh, lots to think about there, Dennis. Yes, look, both very, um, how can you call them, complex um, mm. conditions and frequently... Uh, with conditions like this, both um, um, alopecia and also these weird peripheral symptoms, uh, they can be multifactorial as far as the factors that are causing the discomfort. And even though this gentleman has sustained very, very good investigation, um, not always does the investigation cover some of the uh, minutiae of the condition. Tony from Tomago joins you, Dennis. Uh, Tony, out there driving the trucks, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Tony. Hi, g'day, how are you? Hello, Tony, how can we help you? Hey, Dennis, um, I um, caught the tail of a show a couple of weeks ago when you were talking about the use of tea tree oil or or lemongrass um, for treating a sweat rash. Yes. Um, I'm a truck driver, yes. and I get it. I get a fairly, a fairly big guy, and I, yeah. I get like almost a prickly heat sometimes yes. around the, the, the groin and, yes. and under the belly. Yes. Have you have so, you have you tried either of the preparations? The use of tea tree is based on the fact that it has some significant uh, antifungal conditions, and also. Um, antifungal properties, I should say, and also some antipruritic or anti-itch characteristics. So uh, it's one of the things that I would recommend as a trial, um, particularly if there's a fungal pathology behind it. Tea tree uh, in an ointment or a cream base is very popularly available and, uh, and, and very safe. Now, the other thing also is that the, the herb lemon balm uh, in a topical application has an application also to certain pathologies, mainly virally-based pathologies. So it is probably not as important as, as trying a tea tree-based preparation. But one of the things that might be useful also uh, for you is to don't overlook the old-fashioned regard that still lingers within medicine uh, these days, um, not as popular as it was, and that is the, the use of dilute preparations of, say, pine tar, um, particularly combined with menthol. Mm -hmm. And you can get a preparation like that from your pharmacist, very popularly uh, available, very inexpensive. Now, pine tar preparations I have 
worked with Juniper Tar, Pine Tar, most of my career and have seen some of the most remarkable uh, reductions, particularly in the actual rash itself and also the itch condition. Um, so what I would be suggesting you do is work around the tea tree uh, preparation perhaps and reinforce it with, a, with the use of a lotion based on pine tar and menthol. I'd be surprised if you didn't get some benefit from that. Any topical application, by the way, that, that you're using, uh, Tony, should always be prefaced by doing what's called a patch test. Uh, your doctor yep. has probably told you that. Any, and I say this to listeners generally, any topical yep. application, cream or lotion, before you put it extensively on, put it in a small area to, tens, to test the sensitivity. Usually those things are very safe, although occasionally one will get a reaction from someone who uses perhaps too concentrated a preparation of tea tree. But that's the way I would go to start with. Head for your pharmacy or health food store, get hold of, say, a tea tree-based cream or lotion or ointment and augment it or reinforce it with a topical use of, say, a pine tar lotion with some menthol in it. Thank you very much, Tony. Good luck with that. Uh, we head to Ellie Barnes. Stephen, good afternoon. Uh, you're on with Dennis right now. Hello, Dennis. Um, I've got a question for you. Um, my wife has blocked tubes. I was yes. just wondering if there's a, a natural remedy to um, okay. unblock them. Stephen, I'll ask you a couple of questions. I'm not a gynaecologist and I don't want listeners to think I am, but I know a little bit about helping women that have had tubal problems, particularly where that's been inhibiting their their fertility. Uh, does your wife suffer from endometriosis? Yes. Okay. Uh, is the endometriosis extensive? No, no, not really. Okay, but you say that the tubes are blocked? Yes. Okay, the fallopian tubes are blocked, and what uh, your doctor or uh, gynaecologist has probably told you is that the blockage is caused as a result of endometrial tissue. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Now, has your wife had uh, therapy, surgery, or anything like that for the condition, Stephen? Uh, no, she hasn't. Is that being lined up for her? No. Okay. Does the uh, doctor or gynecologist suspect that uh, you're, you're presumably speaking on behalf of your wife who may be trying to fall pregnant? Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Does your gynecologist or doctor think that the level of endometriosis and the blockage that is, is being caused is uh, totally responsible for her infertility? not sure at this stage okay look um i'll tell you a little story that will encourage you uh, to think about uh, options they should always be run past your medical managers you've heard me say that and i'll say it over and over again but one of my uh, remarkable successes when i returned from sydney in the early 80s and was practicing at church street was a young lady, or at that stage she was a young lady, she's a, a, an elderly lady now who lives uh, in Queensland on the Sunshine Coast. We still keep in contact. But she was in a situation where she had uh, exhausted the options available uh, in this town by uh, excellent gynaecologists and physicians, and her tubes were so compromised that one tube was completely occluded and the other tube barely, barely permitted the passage of the dye. Um, 
the possibility of her falling pregnant was forlorn, and as a result of this, when she ran past her gynaecologist, her desire to use some herbs to try to treat the condition, I have seen uh, the, the response, which was, I, I feel this is reasonable. Now, because of getting the nod, if you like, from her medical managers, I prescribed a formulation that led to the lady having two children, uh, obviously a couple of years apart. Something that was considered to be impossible occurred as a result of the remarkable benefits associated with the Mediterranean herb, uh, which needs to be used in the correct dosage, needs to be monitored, uh, and needs to be understood. The, the leading remedy used uh, in Western herbal medicine, and when I say Western herbal medicine, I will say um, in, how can I call it, modern Western herbal medicine, uh, the main herb is a Mediterranean herb, and, and I grow it beautifully. In fact, I have a, a beautiful tree of it blossoming in my front garden in the Hunter and one also in my backyard. Uh, the, the, the herb is known as Vitex Agnus Castus, V-I-T-E-X, Agnus, A-G-N-U-S, Castus, C-A-S-T-U-S. It was made famous by an elderly English herbalist known as Captain Geoffrey Whitehouse, who wrote a book, Every Woman's Guide to Natural Medicine, where I first located the remedy and um, uh, saw a real basis for it. And in my early days of teaching in Sydney, um, as far as I'm aware, my teaching on it led to the uh, introduction of Vitex into uh, herbalism, particularly in Sydney, where it was first used as a crude herb, I believe, by the Leichhardt Women's Health Centre. And right from the start, we had dramatic results in multiple conditions that were hormonally based. And some of those conditions uh, were related to endometriosis. And uh, if your wife hasn't uh, used uh, the herb Vitex agnus castus, it's a possibility. One will not say that it will uh, certainly cure the condition, but I know, and I'm thinking here, of two patients straight away who have benefited. Uh, one was an English, not an English, a Pakistani gentleman who took a mixture of mine back to Pakistan from Newcastle when he was visiting a young couple where the women, woman had conceived as a result of my medication. His wife, back in... Um, in Pakistan, uh, in her 40s, uh, a lovely Islamic lady, unable to fall pregnant. He took my medication back based on the Vitex. She remarkably fell pregnant, and I have a, a lovely testimonial and photograph in my rooms where his daughter, who was the result of the medication, uh, is there with her elderly father and also a child that she bore, and on it he says... Uh, my father claims that really this is his son because he paid for the medication that she sent. Now, I mention that because it's a fascinating story. The dear man, his name was Ahmed, a lovely Pakistani gentleman. He, he died tragically um, from uh, the side effects of chemotherapy on a, on a cancer of the lung condition. But before he died, he wrote me a beautiful letter where we both conceded that um, we worship the same God, albeit through different names, and uh, I treasure that. But it all comes back to the point that he took back to Pakistan a medication based on Vitex, which made its reputation here in Newcastle uh, just before the earthquake. 
Look, you want to just touch very quickly on uh, what we were talking about yeah, with look, Stephen I think a moment it's ago. Important that I, I do not want that gentleman or listeners generally to think that I have uh, the answer for endometriosis. That would be too simplistic. Uh, what I want to say is that the herb Vitex Agnus Castus, when used professionally, and I mentioned professionally, not just as an over-the-counter thing, when used professionally in the correct dosage and, being, and when it is monitored and ideally when it is being monitored by the GP or the gynaecologist that it has some potential. I would hate people to think from what we're saying, aha, here is an alternative treatment for endometriosis. That would be nonsense. I'm the first to recommend people to go down the medical pathway to have a medical treatment and only when options within mainstream have failed in my opinion, should Vitex be considered. Thank you very much, Dennis. We'll come back and squeeze in a little bit of your topic today, some of the old-fashioned remedies yeah, versus yeah. Uh, new science. We'll do that next. Well, I'm an old-fashioned bloke. Oh, no, that, your outfit denotes otherwise. Very trendy, Dennis. It is trendy, as I wear the <laughs> Gloucesters. <laughs> you have a bit of a fascination with some of the old-fashioned mm, mm. remedies, uh, some that you mentioned, like honey, slippery elm, prune juice and others. Yep, but yep, yep. why the fascination to stick with those when uh, the, the modern medicine is moving a lot towards some of the more modern science and clinical outcomes? Well, I think it's my concern that if we do not hang on to some of the proven remedies of the past, there may come a day when some of the modern remedies of the present are either not working mm. uh, or become too costly or may even be shown to have uh, side effects. The good thing about some of the older remedies is that they have stood the test of time, both for safety and for efficacy. And just because they're not modern, it doesn't mean they don't work. There always, my main concern. there always is this push, isn't it, to, yeah. to the yeah. new shiny thing? Not yeah. not just in yeah. in healing, but in anything. And yeah. I think that when you're dealing with, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, mm. if you're dealing with, mm. with health, I mean, if something works, if it's worked for thousands yes. of years, it works. Yes. And look, one of the things that worries me, and I have a fair bit to do with younger uh, general practitioners, many of whom I have taught my system of medicine over quite. Uh, a number of years still have a lot to do with them some of them are still doing a distance learning program with me what um, what interests me or what sustains me or supports me is that particularly with with some of the younger GPs there is a willingness to take on board some of what their older mentors would be would consider to be uh, backward remedies and uh, and some of them are using uh, herbal medicine, not only herbal medicine, some of the older remedies that maybe not even herbal. Some of them are already using those remedies now through the compounding pharmacies. So there already is some sort of sentiment um, supporting my view that simply because something is modern and convenient and lovely packaged, that that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a better option. And if we lose some of these things... Uh, we could lose them um, forever. And that's why in my library, oh, my library, my library, my library, in my library I have hundreds of pharmacopoeias uh, which I frequently use uh, to hunt down and look at and refresh myself in what medicine particularly was, say, prior to the Second World War 
and many of those things I use in my own practice. And I guess, like you said, once they're lost, they're lost. And if there isn't a, a full generation of yes. of operators coming yes. through and working with those, yes. things just do get lost. They do get lost, and they're not even considered as part of a medical protocol. For instance, I'm one of those people that sincerely believe that a slow healing wounds, ulcerative lesions very difficult to, to, to address, particularly in elderly and diabetic patients. I believe that even there, modern medicine is bypassing the potential of topical applications uh, based on the honey. And uh, even uh, cod liver oil. If you go back into the medical literature, Martindale's Extra Pharmacopoeia, cod liver oil was as popularly used as a topical application for ulcers and slow healing lesions with its remarkable healing capacity and its uh, bactericidal properties. Uh, that's why I incorporated it in, into my honey ointment. Those things are still not filtering through. And I, very frequently in my rooms, I will get patients coming with very, very nasty lesions that are not doing well. Um, and it's only when they start to use some of these remedies that are latent in the literature, Mark. Mm. Uh, they're in the literature. It's only when they start to use some of these things frequently as a result of their own initiative that we begin to see things change. I'm and beginning to wonder what, is in, what isn't in your literature if you've got hundreds of uh, publications. There. That would be an understatement. And my biggest worry, and mm. I say this sincerely, my biggest worry is that with the limited period of time that the good Lord is likely to uh, give to me, I don't know what I'm going to do with this library because, and I say it sincerely because mm. we live at a time now when the reading of books, the collection of books is no longer popular. I'd say another 25 years, Dennis. We've got your pencil, pencil in for that. Well, no, well, with another 24 uh, and a half on the program. Come on, Mark. That's a bit optimistic. Uh, I just 85 want to, plus 25. Yeah, I just want to quickly run on, because uh, you mentioned wounds. Yeah. Uh, Gavin called, uh, he spoke yes, to you a couple okay. of weeks ago about honey. His old-fashioned remedy for most things is peroxide yeah. when it comes to cleaning cuts and yes, wounds. Yes. And then fryer balsam. Yes. Uh, he says every time he pops into the pharmacy and asks for peroxide, they ask if he's going to make uh, a bomb. But uh, he reckons that's good stuff. Oh, look, their old-fashioned mm. preparation, peroxide, has long been used in, in old-fashioned medicine as, as a cleanser of the wound. Uh, I'm not too sure as to what he means there as to being questioned about whether he's going to make a bomb. Yeah. It might be that he purchases a very large amount of it. But again, I'm not an expert. How many wounds do you have at once? <laughs> I'm, I'm not an expert on the chemical nature yeah. and the explosive nature of peroxide. But I guess, I guess the pharmacists these days have to be vigilant. But no, I agree with him. They're old-fashioned remedies and fries balsam. Well, I mean, it still works remarkably well as an inhalant. Uh, there's just a couple we've learned about. Yeah. Dennis, we, you might have to explore this in greater detail. On we will. A, a I'd like to program. go on with this again because there's a lot that I wanted to say, even mentioning some of the older remedies that uh, the doctors and pharmacists can tell, still prescribe and dispense that are remarkably effective in some of the most common conditions that we experience. Dennis, we'll take a look at it maybe next week in a two-parter. Yeah. You have a great weekend. I will, Mark. The same to you. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>